0: Thank you so much for joining the Dr. Whisperer podcast show. I am your host, Sharon Feckety, and you are here to listen to others talk about the business of medicine. Don't forget to subscribe, share it with somebody else that is in the business of medicine so we can all learn together. Thank you for being here and enjoy the show. Well. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Dr. Whispers Show, or welcome to it. And if you're welcoming yourself to it, why don't you go ahead and just subscribe? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, just do it. If, if not for me, do it for yourself. And do it for all of the, the people in the medical industry that, that need to hear something a little different. So uh, today, I'm bringing you um, Luca Yankopoulos. Did I deliver, Luca?
1: You delivered. You nailed it.
0: Yes. All of my Greek friends that are listening or watching. Thank you. you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for teaching me. (laughs) Not to just say it. Just don't be afraid of it. Just say it. Just say it. Once you get,
1: I mean, half the Greek words end with opolis. So, you know, metropolis. Once you get a few of them down, they're all pretty much
0: the same. My good friend, Theo Prodromitis you know, her and I have had long conversations about this because she, too, a family from, you know, New York, and uh, I grew up getting fired from Greek restaurants because I didn't know how to cut a grapefruit the right way in Long Island. And all of the diners were owned by Nick.
1: Nick's and Nick. George's, yeah.
0: Yes, Nick and George, exactly. and I uh, And you would only, like, You'd only have to understand Greek and diner culture to know yeah. that yeah. whoever owns that really great diner is Greek.
1: hmm hmm That's absolutely right. <laughs> they're all Greek. Every diner I've ever been to, but they, you know, no, I'm no,
0: sure no. Every good, diner, Every good diner, Luca.
1: At least the, the good diners, quote air quotes that my parents brought me to, they were all Greek. So I've got no experience outside of the the
0: non Greek realm of diners. I've gone to non-Greek diners. They're not good. <laughs> All right. So here we go. Luca, we're going to start, like I told you, with um, the the line on your bio that has me most intrigued. And then we're going to work our way to probably things that are more intriguing. Um, okay. okay. Luca was a dual degree Viper student at UPenn. I'm pretty sure we could just end on that. But um, I would like for all of us to learn, or maybe some of you listening or watching already know what that means. But I do not, so please tell us what that means.
1: All right, we'll we'll break it down to its pieces and then we'll we'll reconstruct it. So love it. First, we'll we'll go at uh, Viper. Uh, Viper is a cool, very cool acronym uh, for the program, and it stands for Vagelos. Another Greek guy You can't get away from the Greeks here. Love this. Vagelos Integrated Program. For energy research. Wow. So that's where I started. Um, and Vagelos, Roy Vagelos, is a, a hero of mine, and I'm, I'm honored to be in his program. He was a great mentor throughout uh, my time at Penn. And the dual degree aspect is um, it's a program that allows you to get two degrees from the university in a four or five year period. So I did it in five academic years. I got a bachelor's of science of engineering um, from the engineering school while I was also enrolled in and taking classes and earning a bachelor's of science in environmental science. So biomedical engineering and environmental science, and you end up with two degrees at the end of it with a cool acronym of VIPER.
0: Jesus. Okay. Well, so in case you were curious as to whether I was speaking to an intelligent human being, it has now been verified. Um, Not just because he's Greek. Uh, It's also all of these great acronyms and great like, wow, I am excited to hear about all of this time that you've spent in research labs, but I want to know, I want to know why. I want to know your why before we get to any of um, the incredible things that you have done that we'll talk about a little bit later. Why why did you choose this path for yourself? I almost want to know who your parents are first.
1: (laughs) We could, yeah, we could talk about them. So, I guess when we talk, I've I, I pretty much done a, I, I would consider it a 180 as far as where I was going. I was studying renewable energy research in college, and now I'm working in a, a totally different industry, but it all comes from the same sort of root, I think, line of thinking and, and compass. Um, I really believe that being born in you know the 21st century and being born in a free country, that is America, we all have an obligation to, you know, try to make the world a better place. We're probably the luckiest people to ever be born, um, even though it's not perfect for everyone. It's far from perfect. And I really want, you know, I see the the biggest threats to humanity or the biggest threats to our freedom as the biggest opportunities to create meaningful change. So... Mm -hmm that's sort of my driving comes that was instilled in me by my parents and growing up, I came to learn from school and, and different walks of life that the biggest challenge that my generation would face was the energy crisis and climate change. And I wanted to be a part of that solution, which is why I enrolled at the university of Pennsylvania, but things obviously changed for everyone when COVID struck and that sort of shifted my understanding of what the greatest threats were to, you know, our lifestyles, our freedoms, our, our, you know, livelihoods. So, I I wanted to get involved in being a part of a, a solution that could prevent sort of the same catastrophic uh, changes and failures that occurred as a result of COVID.
0: Hmm. So, um, okay, I'm going back to your parents again. Sorry. Yeah. Are you from immigrant parents?
1: So, Are you yes, first like,
0: generation.
1: I'm. I'm not technically first generation. Both my parents were born here in the United States, but my dad, uh, his parents, you know, so my grandparents came from Greece. He grew up in Astoria, Queens, which, as a New Yorker, I know you know well. Lots of diners, lots of Georges, um, <laughs> and he, he's yeah, his name is George, of course. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and it's something like 15% of the Greek population is named Gorg. which is crazy.
0: Yeah, I love it.
1: <laughs> so he, um, yeah, he, he grew up only speaking Greek, and when, when he went to school, public school in Astoria, Queens, um, and didn't speak any English, they actually, in, in that day and age, they, you know, referred to him as you know, special needs. And he was just sort of set back in class because he didn't speak English and they didn't have the tolerance to appreciate that or teach him English. So he sort of struggled his way through until he picked up on English from neighborhood kids and, and being, you know, around different different little, little kids and whatnot. And eventually started to exceed and, and pursued a, a career in science and scientific research. So he really paved that path. My grandparents weren't too happy about him uh, becoming a scientific researcher.
0: Yeah. They,
1: actually, they were disappointed. They said,
0: Imagine you know, that. Imagine that disappointment. Hello. <laughs> you could be a lawyer, a doctor. You could right. make money, have a good life. We're
1: immigrants. We came to America, so you could have a better life than us. And instead, you want to stick up in a college, university, stuffy classroom and look at things right. under a microscope all day.
0: Wow. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, isn't that amazing though? You know, I guess one of the reasons that I'm so intrigued and in, and in asking about your heritage is because our heritage really kind of molds us, you know? And um I think that when when I hear about somebody like yourself that, you know, has this dual degree and, you know, is very driven and is is thinking about solving problems of the world, you know, at such a young age, I'm, I'm of course excited, but I'm also thinking, you know, that about the lineage of that, you know, and, and where that comes from. And, and, you know, my parents are from Dublin and I'm speaking in Long Island next week, actually about heritage and how that is, you know, catapulted all of us that are speaking at this event to where we are now. And it even though it's your, your grandparents, right. I mean, it's that little bit of research and, and boom, here's Luca. yeah. <laughs> I'm going all in, man. I'm gonna be a viper. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: think think it's you're I think you're absolutely right. I think that even though I'm not technically first generation, I do my grandparents only spoke Greek. My dad spoke more Greek than he spoke English growing up, you know, and, and talking to us. I think it definitely sculpted my understanding of the world. And they're the ones who really said, you know, America's an opportunity. We came here, you know, for a reason. And that was constantly drilled into me, and you need to make the most of it you know what our ancestors went through so you could be here today, like all of that was happening every day. So they died, they, they cried, they pledged so you could be, you know. So. Right,
0: exactly. I mean, of Irish immigrants, I, I've heard a, a similar story myself. So why don't you tell us, Luca, about uh, being this founder and CEO of Grapevine Technologies Um this is this is an incredible company. So uh, I'd love for you to, you know, tell the story of it and and how you have been um, somebody we should all thank, you know, I think being a part of uh, what we all went through and, and what I like to call the panorama, because I don't even love the name pandemic anymore. I don't think anybody does have any love for it. But why don't you tell us a little bit about this grapevine technology company that you have?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll start with talking about its its origins. You know, we were penned up in our dorm room, me and my roommate, and we were figuring out what to do. Classes had been intermittently canceled, right, when, when COVID first sort of struck. And we were hearing the conversations from my dad. I'm on the phone with him. He's talking about how they're shutting down labs, labs that were supposed to being, be doing research to solve and cure the pandemic. and my mom's a nurse practitioner, I'm hearing the same sort of problems from both of them and horror stories of shortage of supplies and it's having all these effects on healthcare providers, it's having all these effects on patients, it's terrifying whatever. So uh, me and my roommate just decided to sort of get involved where we could and look up, use actual data from US Customs and Border uh, Protection plus like the FDA medical device databases, all publicly available government data And we started compiling it to look for, um, you know, government verified inflows of medical supplies into the U.S. Mm. And we sort of spotted where it was because everyone knew the big guys, McKesson, Henry Schein, Cardinal Health, they were having shortages and major supply chain failure. So we found these smaller niche specialty importers and just found those companies, those importers and connected them directly to initially, you know, my father's company and my, the hospital that my mom was, uh, was working at at the time. And we just passed off the contact information and they started getting their supplies from them. We didn't have any financial stake in it, any business, anything. We were just trying to make a positive difference. Um, and then we got a call from someone who worked with McKesson and they said, Hey, we heard about what you've been doing, you know, helping our customers when we can't. And I've got a purchase order for you for over a million three-ply masks. And I jumped oh on LegalZoom Zoom and made an LLC.
0: <laughs> Said
1: sure. I love this. that
0: you use LegalZoom. So did I 10 years ago. Good for LegalZoom. Yeah.
1: LegalZoom, this the show is not sponsored. It's not yet. it is
0: not sponsored, but maybe you will.
1: Yeah, you're you're <laughs> welcome to give us money, LegalZoom. <laughs> right.
0: That's great. So, that's, so go ahead.
1: Yeah, I mean that that's that's where it started, but Uh, I'm happy to sort of talk about it, what it's become and what it's evolved into. Yeah,
0: please. Sure, so- I'm captivated. So one of the things that um, I don't often say, (laughs) I am as much an audience member as everybody listening. Um, One of the the reasons why I love doing this show is I get to have these incredible conversations with people from all over the globe. And it's um, fascinating to me. So sometimes- Mid-com- I'll even forget that. Oh yeah. I'm like, shit, I'm the host. Okay. Keep going, Luca.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I know I've been told I've got a tendency to sort of monologue and I've been really okay. working on it, trying to, trying to make, be more conversational. There's a lot to learn from, from what other people have to say. And even if you're leading, you know, a company, it's good to listen at as least at my, at least as much as you speak yourself.
0: So. Yes. Agreed.
1: So I guess, yeah, From there, we started, you know, our first uh, healthcare supply chain company. It was called Pandemic Relief Supply. Pretty clear where that name came from. And we were basically um, connecting, using data and government data, compiling it to connect with uh, various specialty importers amidst the pandemic, um, purchase supplies from them, inventorize it in in a warehouse, and then resell it directly to healthcare customers. That's sort of what we became. And in doing that, we we did about $20 million of sales uh, over the course of that company's lifetime. Damn. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Damn. I'm impressed.
1: But we were seeing these like mind bogglingly, like inefficient and wasteful systems that we were a part of because we were a conventional, traditional, like distributor, a small version of Henry, of Henry Schein McKesson. Right. Whoever it may be, and we started, you know, dreaming up a, a better way to to get goods from manufacturer, you know, or importer, directly to end user without those inefficiencies, right? Without that waste, and that's where Grapevine was really born. Um, Grapevine basically is a we call it a supply chain network, and it's you know a web application where healthcare buyers or really like medical practices and the office managers at those medical practices, we call them healthcare buyers, healthcare buyers log in, they can connect directly with many of the same suppliers that actually supply McKesson's of the world, but they connect directly with the, you know, those importers or those suppliers, and they sort of leapfrog the inefficiencies, the middleman and his markups, the middleman and his delays and and additional costs. Um, and they go directly to the source and they can work with and sustain a network of hundreds of different specialty vendors they're getting prices that are like 60 70 percent lower than they can buy from mckesson because of all the sort of build-up of inefficiencies and the markups and, and whatnot and that's what what grapevine is today so that's what our supply chain network is is healthcare buyers connecting with groups of online vendors that can provide for all of their medical supply needs and do so at prices that are 60% lower. And to be honest, it's also like a much more modern, you know, my generation sort of way of buying and purchasing, which doesn't
0: exist. Okay, like let's stop. I really feel like, I feel like I need to have a moment for all of this. Every doctor knows that their traditional insurance only goes so far, dare I say malpractice. These are real risks that keep you up at night, real risks, like you have to consider them. So SRA 831B Admin helps businesses fund their own PPP plans. Did you hear that? Is that, is that making sense? So SRA 831B Admin helps you mitigate risk and lower your tax liability by putting money in to a vehicle that's tax advantaged. You need that. You know, dentists that were deemed non-essential, remember that in the pandemic? The ones that had these 831 plans, they were able to file a business interruption claim and use their tax advantage dollars. So what are you waiting for? Check out SRA 831B Admin. You won't regret it. This podcast is sponsored by doc 2 Doc the personal lending platform designed for doctors by doctors. Dr. Doc believes that traditional lenders overestimate the risk of lending money to doctors, focusing too much on challenges of their financial past and giving them insufficient credit for the promise of their financial future. Yeah, we love what Dr. Doc is doing within our community. That is for sure. And we encourage you to visit their website at DocTodocLending.com. Learn more about them today. Because um, back in the day when I was uh, consulting for doctors, not that I don't, I still do, but I really have to like them at this stage. Um, uh, And I do, I like many of them, but I don't want to, I want to help the masses, right? want to help the masses. And so a podcast is better for that. My keynote speaking is better for that. So, but one of the things I used to do, so I would see, um, an immediate issue when I would go into a practice, small or large is it's always about budget because I know, I know if you've already told me that you, um, that you want to start haggling with me, then we have a bigger issue. So now because I'm smart and I'm from New York, I would just, I go, all right, well, let me, let me find out what you got going on in there. Who are your vendors? Who are you working with? So of course I would, you know, meet with the practice manager. What did you call them?
1: Office managers or healthcare buyers. Healthcare
0: Healthcare. buyers. I like that. I, I like anything that's not the norm. Okay. So I'm talking to them and I thought, all right, well, who are you ordering from now? I'm talking like 30 employees, maybe four docs. Uh they would say McKesson. Oh, oh, perfect. Okay. Well, I have I have this other company that can save you some money. They're not great. This I'm telling you that this is exactly what I would say. They're not great, but you're gonna save a shit ton of money. The guy that pulls up, he might be in like a broke ass down Honda. <laughs> But you're going to get it cheaper, and you're going to get it. And, and it would always be my biggest struggle. But I want to tell you one of the things that I think will be helpful to the audience. When I, as a consultant, where my job was to restructure the practice, which meant uh, saving you money, making you money, uh, seeing who's working in your organization, helping you with leadership, all the things, that practice manager would say to me, say these exact words to me, Luca, you ready for it? But I love Tim from McKesson. Oh, he's so great. Do you know that he got us Yankee tickets the last time he was here? And I'm like, yeah, I fucking do know that. <laughs> I know that. And you, my friend don't own this business. So you are the, a part of the problem. Right. So now I've just taken all this information and I go back to the physician. I go, okay, listen, I need you to keep me on board. So I'm going to save you money. (laughs) We're going to switch your vendor and we're going to find somebody who can do this better for you. Now, Luca, you're telling me that you have something that is modern, can get them the supplies and um, save, did you say 60%? Yeah.
1: And Ooh. I could pull up, I'm not even joking. I could I believe pull up you. the the side by side. We do this all the time with customers. Of like hen log into Henry Shine and look at this ex- it's and I'm not talking like, oh, a comparable item. No, it's the same right. brand, the same packaging, same manufacturer, yes. identical box of gloves. Yes. $70 a box on Henry Shine yes. and on Grapevine. You can get it directly from the actual manufacturer who has a warehouse in the US. We'll ship it out next day at Seven dollars a box. <laughs> That's 90%. So our average is like 60%. But we're seeing savings in some cases, it's it and people are shocked. We've in our marketing, we've gone away from like 80, 90 percent just because people think there's something sketchy, something wrong going on. And like you said, people are resistant to change in in any circumstance. Yes. So it's-
0: and that is the issue. Look like Luca, I want to really I wanna I wanna almost help sell this product that I, you know, I'm so excited to hear about because what I would say then was, well, let's just start doing some cost comparisons. This is exactly what I did when I left New York, I was director of operations for New York medical. So we had 42 satellite offices and 11 offices. So we were all about saving money. We were hustlers. You know what I mean? Like we didn't oh, even yeah. have the internet then.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. And then I come down to Florida and I'm like, oh my God, like this is a, this is a four doc practice with only two offices and we're using McKesson. Like that's the first, so I, so all I was thinking, Luca, I'm just going to be totally honest. I've told this story in, in some places, some conferences before where I would be like, I am going to look like such a rock star. I'm, I'm rock star status. Cause I'm going to save this company so much money in the first year by literally getting rid of these huge vendors that are all about markup and i'm gonna just gonna say my cost but you didn't exist then you see yeah.
1: yeah and then and then back then you know before the internet i, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think you were i don't think you were alive before the internet <laughs> was you. But the, before I'm the 50, internet luca <laughs> no no <laughs> um we what was i gonna say they uh No,
0: I, I'm, I'm with you, sure. Luca. I know I just took a, a, I took a taste of my yogurt and it could be very off putting, especially if you're in the middle and you the put note it note. right in the middle of an interview, but you know what it is. These conversations for me are the best because my whole goal as that consultant was to really help the physicians. That's all I wanted to do. And the people, unfortunately, that sometimes work for the physicians, they're just they're doing what is almost easy because they are stretched. Let's give them some love. They're stretched in so many different ways. They, a lot of them have to do the marketing. They have to do all the hiring. They have to deal with, you know, people in this 2023 wanting to work hybrid when you actually have to touch the patient, right? We have all of these different things right now. And now there's a company that is new that it doesn't have that, you know, Really, to me, it just dollar signs. Every time I was, if I pulled up into a practice and I saw a McKesson truck, I think these people are going to love me. Just wait. And not say anything bad about McKesson. I mean, if you want to be a sponsor of the show too, along with, uh, what was the other one we did? Legal? Uh, Legal Zoom. Legal <laughs> Zoom. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, but just,
1: you can earn our love back, McKesson. You <laughs> you
0: could. You could. But really, like, we have to do good by these people that are ultimately trying to help the patients, which now knowing that your mom too is a nurse practitioner, like that's her. That's why she got into medicine. I'm sure that -hmm. she wanted to help people. And we, as the business people want to help the people that want to help the people, because I don't know about you, Luca, but I can't even stand the sight of blood.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I agree with that. And ultimately we're talking about helping the providers the healthcare practice, medical practices, lowering the overhead and the costs that they incur yeah. as a business. Also, those, the savings that they can see through grapevine or through any sort of new system that's disintermediating the supply chain, those savings get passed forward to patients. So when we think about, oh, wow, my doctor's appointments are so expensive or the cost of healthcare is so expensive, a huge part of that cost is you're paying so each of these practices can be profitable. And when they've got huge tickets on their you know accounts payable sheet, let's say $70 for a box of gloves, if they can drop those costs by a huge amount, they also can make just as much money. They can make more money while lowering the cost of healthcare for actual patients. So to me, it's a self-interested project as well. We're not only you know helping the providers, but we're helping patients and we're all patients. We can lower the cost of healthcare as a whole, for patients by re-optimizing and rebuilding the, the healthcare supply chain.
0: Luca, what is your barrier to entry with these companies? Tell, give it to me raw, Luca.
1: Tell yeah. me. <laughs> I mean, we get a lot of exactly what you talked about. Well, savings, yeah, the savings sound good, but we, we're pretty satisfied with the service we get from McKesson. And I'm talking, I'm like, even if I could save you 60% of what you're spending, you're telling me that that wouldn't be interesting to you. And a lot of times I do cold calls. I, I do it all yeah, right. Yeah. I'm trying to grow this startup. Um, they'll say, yeah, you know, we're just not interested at this time, which is pretty crazy to me. And I, I think it goes back to a more innate sort of human behavior, yes. uh, which is this idea that, like I said before people don't love change, people resist change. And I've heard on a, on a sales call, on a, the, it was an opportunity to onboard a really big customer, a big healthcare system. And they said, well, if it ain't broke, why fix it? <laughs> and it because you're gonna save half a million dollars a year, that's why you're gonna fix it. Oh my God. And they said, yeah, but you know, the risks we're running with change in the healthcare space are much greater than the risks of changing systems for consumer goods like sneakers, you know? If if something goes wrong, when we start working with Grapevine, it's not like someone gets their sneakers late. No, it's a a patient might not get the implant that they need to save their lives and they might die. So people are scared of change because of the stakes we're playing with in the healthcare industry. They resist change, I think, out of inherent laziness and we're all inherently lazy. And cost savings doesn't seem to be enough to push the needle for a lot of people so
0: well i'm gonna say the things up. that luca's being very nice i'm just gonna say what i because I, I i've made videos about this stuff it gets me so freaking pissed off i know what the problem is right and so i already know you know the people that are in these positions um it's not their money it's not their money so they they want to choose what's easy because mm-hmm. if you switch, if you make a switch to Grapevine Technologies, you have to do a, something additional. <laughs> Some
1: turnover, yeah.
0: You have to do something. You have to do something more than what you're doing right now.
1: But it'll be less once you get used to it. Just but, that is- Right,
0: but Luca, don't Most make me do anything else because I am not getting paid enough to do that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And I also, so what I would do is. I would, I remember when I switched, um, I remember I became a rock star when I came into this practice almost, I don't know, 15 years ago. I don't even know how long it is now. And, um, and I switched even our, our healthcare, like I I brought on brokers, you know, because I said, well, listen, just, just, I don't care. You don't have to sell me anything. Just show me where you're going to save me money. Yeah. Just show me just, here's this, here's what I'm paying. Show me what, and then if it makes sense, I'm going to, I'm going to just change. And what's the worst that could happen? Like, it doesn't work out, then I'll just change again. But I was, you know, coming from 42 satellite offices, 11 of our own offices. I was used to that. Like we have to do whatever we can to save money so we can kill, keep building and keep growing. But when you are in a place where the money is plentiful, like that's what I saw. I was, I joined a practice myself that was 40 years old so they weren't, they weren't looking to grow or build. I was like, we're going to open up 19 locations. <laughs> I mean, we wouldn't have an evening division. I'm like, why would you settle for just what you're getting when we could keep building and building? Okay, so I'm going to calm down now. But the problem is just that. It is change. And it's also a big, big generational issue. So I, uh, you know, I see a young person that and there's technology. I'm like, yes, bring it to me because you know more than me. Like, um, you are younger. (laughs) If I have a problem with my phone, I give it to my 19 year old. Yeah. That's what I do. But the people that are running medical organizations today, you know, and it won't be that way forever is a generation that just likes to keep things the way they always were and what we always know, because that is safer and easier. And um, so that's part of the problem, Luca. I'm going to tell everybody about you. Show me that it works and show me how to save money and I will sell it to the world.
1: (laughs) Well, we'll we'll do that. Um, One thing I guess we've absolutely noticed is that the bigger, we've talked with hospitals and we have a few big, you know, big healthcare practices and institutions that that work with us on Grapevine. We've got over 250 active healthcare buyers today, businesses. Um, and one thing I've absolutely noticed is, is with the hospitals, the younger folks, people, you know, my generation, uh, they, they are, you know, when they jump on grapevine, they're able to place their first order within like five minutes of messing around. They don't even need an explanation. And one guy, Zach Piasecki from, uh, Med down at Lancaster hospital, penmed uh, he, he basically, was shocked by this and says it took me three months to learn how to place an order in the systems that we use at the hospital. Three months. Wow. Now I'm doing this all in, in ten, you know whatever ten minutes here, and that's wow. that's pretty mind blowing. But I totally agree with you that at a bigger hospital or or healthcare you know healthcare institution, there's a huge separation between the people that appreciate and drive sort of cost savings decision making, mm-hmm. and the people that would actually be using Grapevine, the procurement manager or office manager. Uh, on a daily basis. So there is that separation and it's really hard because when you're trying to pitch the owner and he's like, hell yeah, cost savings for sure. But when I say, let me prove it to you, right? They're like, well, I don't know the costs of gloves or masks or syringes or IVs or any of these things. So there's a discrepancy between sort of the person that knows that we can provide savings and the person who appreciates that we could, that we prescribe savings. Uh, whereas these smaller healthcare practices, medical practices, they're really easy for us to sort of onboard and convince because there's less of a separation. It's sometimes the actual nurse practitioner or doctor, physician who does the ordering, right? right? So he knows exactly
0: yes. what it
1: is, and he's all about those savings. Uh, he or she whereas or even if it's a little bit bigger right and the office manager has a personal relationship with the owner and physician they know the kids they they can see that their Mm -hmm. savings will drive positive change for someone they care about it's also easy to convince but the bigger we get the bigger the sort of gap or or chasm is between uh the decision maker and the you know the person who would who would appreciate or or see the savings so it's that's that's probably our biggest struggle
0: right now well what about so luca i'm just going to say it like i mean What about the fact that you're so young and you're selling it to physicians? I I don't, I'm, I'm saying this because I, I don't see that, but I, I know what people say. I like to say the things what people say when somebody walks out the door and they go, oh my God, like he's so young. Like how could he have this company that, you know, has uh, delivered over $20 million in critical supplies? How could that be possible?
1: I have not noticed it and no one's commented on it. I've actually seen a lot of people excited to see, uh, you know, a young face in healthcare. I think more people probably end up in healthcare than start in healthcare because it's a huge yeah. market and it's not that sexy compared to, you know, cosmetics right. or movies and cinema or anything really.
0: Stuff. Yeah. yeah, uh-huh. it's,
1: it's a huge market. So people end up there after, right. you know, Whatever, because there's there's a lot of jobs, there's a lot of money moving around. And I think it's refreshing for a lot of the decision makers to see someone who's motivated, who who made the decision as a 25-year-old to enter this industry that they maybe feel trapped in or felt, you know, felt like they got into because of the world, not because of what they wanted. And and I feel like I, I think it makes people feel valued, appreciated, you know, important that, that youth is sort of coming to their space to create meaningful change. And, and and they seem receptive to it. That is the the decision makers. I who knows maybe behind my back they say, this little kid and his little friends you know.
0: I do. I have been there. I, I, and I only ask that because I know that that's what happens. I'm not saying that that's the reason I'm just saying that it can be so intimidating, actually, that somebody's so young and it's so refreshing. It's, you know, I mean, like, like think of how all the people that were driving all those, you know, uh, big, what are those things called taxis? Remember them? Like, I know they're still in Manhattan where you are, but like Uber has taken over. So all of those people that thought that that was never going to happen are, you know, SOL. You know, yeah, totally. so you have to kind of get in with what's going on in the, the, the modern day that we live in twenty twenty three.
1: they say that the youth will always win.
0: Yes. And so will technology.
1: So will technology. So hopefully I'm, I'm a part of that winning equation. I, I can serve. And I, I don't think we will win. I wouldn't want to win unless we were serving real value. I know that we're serving real value. And and hopefully, you know that leads to us uh, eventually being adopted by these bigger healthcare institutions and and winning, you know, in the process.
0: So before we say goodbye today, why don't you tell us why you chose Grapevine Technologies as the name?
1: Sure. So there's a couple of reasons.
0: And I like uh, that that made you smile. So yeah. That means it's meaningful.
1: We all well, we all know the song. Heard it through the grapevine. Right not exactly about healthcare and supply chain it's, but in a way it kind of is. And it, it sort of represents our early days and experience in the healthcare supply chain. There's a ton of, he said, she said, people pushing, you know, uh, basically hospitals looking for new vendors because the traditional vendors were on back order and didn't have the supplies they needed people making promises that they could not, you know, fulfill people thinking they knew something they didn't. So we, use data and technology to try to bring you know, truth to what at the time were rumors. Now it's changed a little bit, but we're creating transparency, opening conversations through data and technology between healthcare buyers and importers and suppliers. And I also like the idea of, of a grapevine in itself. To me, it you know looks like a network branching off and connecting with different things and ultimately serving fruits of, of labor uh, to those who get involved. So that's where we sort of came up. Inspired by the song, but also nice visual and sort of uh, tasty metaphors in there.
0: Well, I like it for a totally separate reason. And all my friends of Bill Wilson out there will know why I like grapevine technology. And I will tell you uh, when we end this show, and I hit stop record because uh, if you if you know, you know, that'll be the hashtag, But um, Luca, I'm excited to let everybody know about this company and all of the information will be in the show notes. And I would highly recommend if you want to look like a rock star in your practice, (laughs) maybe you'll even get a bonus this year. If you start saving the money and then you show them the numbers, because that's what I try to teach all of the administrators. Like if you want to make more money, you got to show them how much you're saving them. Um, Can I get a microphone dropping now. Like I've done that more times than I care to admit. And I I love giving people that simple remedy, like show people that you care about their business enough to save them money and help them grow and help them keep employees for a long time and, and incur, bring in all of those things that we need today to stay in the healthcare industry. Because so many like the last doctor, the last anesthesiologist I was just interviewing told me how difficult he's got 3000 anesthesiologists, how difficult it is to keep them. So thank you for being here, Luca.
1: Thank you so much, Sharon. It was a blast. I really enjoyed it.
0: Me too. Cause I heard it through the grapevine. <laughs> Don't forget to mitigate risk. Visit 831b.com for more information. Remember to check out doc to doc the personal lending platform designed for doctors by doctors.